2 Kings chapter 6, you say, where in the world is 2 Kings? Here's the hint. It's right after 1 Kings, all right? You'll find it. Just look there in your Bibles. It's in the Old Testament. And just keep flipping till you find it, all right? We are beginning the new year with a special five-sermon series called As For Me and My House. And most of you know where that originated It originated from a man named Joshua who had the daunting challenge of following the great leader Moses. Joshua led the people into the promised land. Moses led them up to the promised land, but Joshua led them into the promised land. And as they were taking the land of Canaan and they were making room for the people of God, they got a little bit weary and they slowed down and they were not making the progress that God wanted them to make. And the man of God, Joshua, knew that. He knew that they were not doing all that they were supposed to be doing. So he called all of them together and he said to them, hey, now this is the Gaines version. If you guys wanna go back to Egypt where we were 40 years ago as slaves, hit the road, go on back. You're tired of following the Lord. You want to go back to slavery. There's the door. Go. Now, if you guys want to follow the pagans in this land where we're living, you want to live like a bunch of animals. If you don't want to live for the Lord, if you want to live like them and and worship these pagan gods that you can even, even sacrifice your babies to, if that's what you want, if you want to follow all these Canaanite gods, Go for it. Either go back to Egypt or worship the pagan gods here. But I love this. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, folks, that's where I am. That's where I want to be, and that's what I want you to be. I want you not looking back, not looking around. But I want you looking up, worshiping the real God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what we need to do in 2021. So I'm going to preach five messages. Already preached one last week online. If you didn't get it, you can go back and look at it. As for me and my house, the games bunch, I can tell you what we're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Number one, I'm going to read the Bible. Number two, Today, I'm going to pray next week. I am going to tell you about, I'm going to fellowship with Christians. The next week, I'm going to witness and share the gospel with lost people. And then the last week, I'm going to give financially to a local church so that I can give not only and touch people not only in Memphis and Shelby County and the Mid-South, but the nation and the nations. God is about everybody hearing the gospel and being saved. So I want in on that. So as for me and my house, that's what we're going to do. That's what I'm talking to you about. And so we're in sermon number two out of five today. And I want to talk to you today about living supernaturally through prayer. How many of you ever feel in your Christian life, I believe we all should feel this way, but how many of you ever feel like there's got to be more than I'm experiencing in my walk with Jesus. Anybody out there but me? Anybody out there? I want to tell you where the pathway to the more is. It's in prayer. It's in your prayer closet. 
It's being alone with Jesus. And I don't know what it is, but when we get alone with God, Jesus said, you go into your inner room, you shut the door. And you just get alone with God. Nobody, you don't have anybody to impress. You don't have anybody to be looking at you. You just get alone with God. And what you do there determines your walk with God. What you do in prayer and what you do in fasting. When you say, you know what? Today, I'm going to feed on the Word of God. I want the Word. I want God more than I even want my physical food today. And so I'm, when I would normally be eating, I'm just going to be worshiping and praising God, and I'm going to be praying, and I'm going to be reading in His Word. When you pray and fast, I'm telling you, supernatural power comes from God because you enter into the realm of the real world, which is not this world, but the spirit realm where there are angels and where there are demons and where's the Holy Spirit. And the way we tap into that supernatural power is through prayer. And that's why the devil's always fighting your prayer life. He'll give you a thousand things to think about before you go into the prayer closet, but don't you just push all that stuff aside. When you wake up, don't pick this thing up, put this thing in some hole until you can go get in the Word and get the Word in you and then talk with God about what you read in the Word and about what you need to pray about. You seek first the kingdom of God. And when you start walking in prayer, that's when God just starts doing supernatural things in your life. And you realize this thing is real. It's not just for the people in the book. It's for me as well. It's not just them that's going to have miracles. God is still a God of miracles. There never was a day of miracles. There is a God of miracles. And we need to understand that the power of supernatural power of God comes to those who pray. Now, we're going to talk today about a man named Elisha. I want to give you a little context, and then I'm going to jump in and give you five things that happen to people that pray that are supernatural. Elisha was a farmer. He was minding his own business, plowing behind a plow one day when another preacher came along named Elijah. Elijah means Jehovah is God. Eli means God. Jah means Jehovah. Jehovah is God. So he's coming along and God had told him, God had told him in a cave, he said, I want you to go anoint Elisha to be the one who follows you. And so he went threw his mantle around him, and uh, he called this young farmer, and this guy follows him for a long time. He sees these great miracles that his leader and the man who mentored him did. <clears throat> and the Bible says, came to the time, it was time for Elijah, Elijah rather, to go to heaven. So he goes down to the Jordan River, and guess where, by the way, he went to heaven. He went to heaven at the same place where Moses had led the people up, that Joshua crossed across the, the Jordan River there. And by the way, it's the same exact place where he went to heaven with the chariots of fire was the same exact place where Jesus got baptized. So every time we go to Israel, we go there because it's where Joshua entered the promised land right across from Jericho. It's also where Elijah went up to heaven in the chariot of fire. And it's also where Jesus got baptized. So there he is, and right before he goes up into heaven, the angels come for Elijah. Elijah says to Elisha, he says, 
What can I do for you before I go? What can I ask of the Lord for you? He said, I want a double portion of the Spirit of God that's upon you. I want twice what you have. And you know what? A lot of people say, he shouldn't have asked that. I think those kind of prayers, those are the kind of prayers God likes. I like somebody when they get after it, don't you? They're really praying to a big God, big prayers to a big God. And so Elijah said, that's a hard thing, but here's the, here's the way you're gonna know if you're gonna receive it. If you see me being caught up into heaven by the angels, you'll have your request. And all of a sudden, the sky split open, the chariots of fire came down, and Elisha starts looking at Elijah, who's going up into heaven. He said, he said my master, my master, the chariots and horses of Israel have come. And the mantle falls down, and it falls down on the ground. It just kind of falls over there on the ground from heaven. I'll get it up in a minute. I can, am I doing good for 63 or what? All right, he throw it over there. Just kind of hit down there on the ground, and Elijah looks around. He said, where is the God of Israel? He goes over, and he picks up the mantle. He goes over to the Jordan River. Oh, I like this. this by the way, this is in your Bible, too. And he slaps that thing right there. And when he does, the river goes like that. And God said in that river parting, I am still here. Let me tell you something. God hadn't gone anywhere. And I got news for you. The devil's not in control. God is. God is. Amen. God's in control. Amen. Don't y'all tell Donna that I slapped my thing on the floor, all right? And if you'll go and just count the miracles that God did through Elijah, and you count the miracles that God did through Elisha, God, God did exactly twice as many miracles through Elisha that he did the great man of Elijah. So Elisha is our hero in our text. And we're going to see through him a man of supernatural prayer. Look there in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Now, the king of Aram, that's the bad guy, was warring against Israel. Those are the supposed good guys. And he counseled with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. He was sending out marauding bands and they would go out and just, you know, they wouldn't take a whole bunch on. They just kind of hit here and there and they were very shifty. Verse nine, the man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel saying, beware that you don't pass this place for the Arameans are coming down here. What he's doing is he's giving him supernaturally because he prayed, God would talk to him and he would give him supernatural military surveillance. He would tell him exactly where the enemy was going to be before the enemy even showed up. We're not talking about sonar. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, the king of Israel sent to the place, that's, that's on the good, the good team now, they sent the place about which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. The king of Israel said, let's see if the preacher really knows what he's talking about. And every time he would check it out, the surveillance was exactly spot on. Look at verse 11. Now the heart of the king of Aram 
was enraged. Why is he mad? He thinks he's got a spy in his ranks that are telling the Israelites where his army is going to be over this thing. He called his servants and he said to them, will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? But one of his servants said, no, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city that is the city of Dothan. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, to Elisha, alas, my master, what shall we do? The enemy has surrounded us. What are we supposed to do? And the answer that he gives is epic. Verse 16, one of the most famous statements in all the Bible. So he, Elisha, answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, when he said that, there were two Israelites standing there surrounded by an army of Arameans. But he said, there's more of us than there are of him. That's because he lived in the spirit realm. He lived in the supernatural. He knew that there was an army there that nobody could see. He had seen the angels of God take Elijah to heaven. And he knew that those same angels, even though they couldn't be seen at that moment, were around them. And he said, there are more of us, there are more on our side than there are on their side. Well, then he goes on. He says in verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. How did he see? He saw into the supernatural spirit realm. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness. I pray. So God struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way. He's talking to the army now of the Arameans, nor is this the city. Follow me. I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. When they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, it's another prayer now, third one, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master and the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. All right, let's look at it. Let's see what happens when we pray. Praying Christians are different than non-praying Christians because praying Christians enjoy supernatural knowledge. If you'll pray, you'll know some things that people who don't pray won't know. Look at verse 8. Now, the king of Aram was warring against Israel. When you look in the Old Testament, the Arameans were constant enemies of Israel. And now what he's doing here, this king of Aram, he is 
planning his battle strategy to send out marauding bands and they would go out and they would attack Israel. Look at the rest of the verse. He counseled with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. You can imagine a map here. He said, we're going to hit them here. We're going to hit them there. We're going to hit them there. We're going to hit them there. And he would talk about how his army would go out in these marauding bands. But he had a problem. There was a prophet that was reading his mail. He knew everything that was going on supernaturally because he prayed. He had knowledge. He had all this kind of of, of information that nobody could have any other way unless it was given to him supernaturally because he prayed. Look at verse nine. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, that's the good team, saying, beware that you don't pass this way for the Arameans are coming down there. I mean, no sooner would the king of Aram and his guys say, this is where we're gonna hit them. I mean, immediately the spirit would talk to Elisha, and he would tell the king, and they would avoid being attacked. It happened time and time again. The king of Israel checked him out. Look at verse 10. Sent to the place about which the man of God had told him, thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. So this military intelligence that God was supernaturally giving to Elisha whenever he prayed was so accurate, the king of Aram said, I've got a spy among my key leaders. Look at verse 11. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, will you please tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? But one of his servants knew what was going on. We don't know how, but the fame of Elisha was all over the place, not just in Israel, but even among the Arameans. One of his servants, verse 12, said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Everything you say, everything, no matter where you are, this man supernaturally knows what you're saying, and God is talking to him. And the reason God gave him that knowledge is because Elisha was a man of prayer. I read this week in Acts, I'm reading through the book of Acts right now in my New Testament reading, and I read in Acts chapter 10 about God giving people information when they prayed. Now some people say God won't hear the prayers of a lost person, somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I got news for you. If somebody that doesn't know Jesus wants to meet Jesus, wants to get saved, God will hear their prayer, amen? And so this guy named Cornelius, he was a Roman centurion, big guy, strong guy, great warrior, but he was really worshiping the God of the Jews and he was worshiping Jehovah, but he knew there had to be more. And so as he was praying one day, God spoke to him through an angel and said, I'm gonna send to you your prayers and your alms, that is your giving to poor people, have come up before heaven as a sacrifice. And I want you to know, God's hear, hearing your prayers and God's gonna answer. He's gonna send a guy named Peter and he's gonna share the gospel with you. And so he says, send to Joppa, which is by the sea. By the way, that's, that's a very famous place. Does anybody remember the guy that got swallowed by a whale? What was his name? Jonah, he left Israel from Joppa, all right? So here you've got Peter down at this famous spiritual place, and he says he's at Joppa, and he's staying at this house. And so this 
group goes down from Cornelius. They're Gentiles. And while they are going, and by the way, all of that was learned by the prayers of Cornelius. That's why God spoke to him because he spoke to God. And that, that's what will happen to you. When you speak to God, God will start speaking to you. I'll talk more about that in a minute. So Peter on the other end. How many of you know whenever God's working on one end, he's working on the other end, amen? And so on the other end, Peter goes up to pray. It's noontime, it's almost lunchtime, but he goes up to pray before he has lunch. And the Bible says that Peter fell into a trance, and I'll just cut to the chase. God told him through a vision that my gospel is not only for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. And so when I cleanse them, don't you dare call them unholy or unclean after I have cleansed them spiritually. And I'm going to send to you some people that want to hear the gospel who are Gentiles, invite them into your house, do something that normal Jews don't do, that is let them spend the night in your house, and then you go the next day and you go down with them and tell them about my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what happened. And if you read all in chapter 10, you go down, he goes down there. And when they walk in, Cornelius, the lost man, falls at the feet of the preacher Peter. Peter grabs it. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. I'm just a man like you. How many of you know that we're all just people that need Jesus? Amen. Don't ever be overly impressed with anybody. Just be impressed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter shares the gospel. The whole house gets saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They all get baptized. And it's a glorious thing. Why did all that happen? Because you had a lost man praying and a saved man praying. And when people pray, good things happen. And they get knowledge that other people don't have. I want to say this to you. Here's some verses. You need to write these down. I pray these virtually every day for God to give me wisdom on things and knowledge. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right or the left. Now, that's pretty specific knowledge, is it not? God's going to tell you which way to go, left or right. If you'll start talking to God, God will start talking to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call unto me and I will answer you. I will tell or show you great and mighty or hidden things that you have not known. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. My sheep hear my voice. God's a talker. He's going to talk to you. If you'll talk to him, he'll talk to you. James 1, 5 and 6. But if any of you lacks wisdom, you need some knowledge, some wisdom, let him ask. Let him pray to God. Let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach. It will be given to him. He must ask or pray in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So when we pray, God speaks to us. When we talk to God, God talks to us. And God knows everything. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I get up or rise up, you understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, Behold, Lord, you know it all. You have encircled me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot comprehend it. I want to say this to you. Some of you need to know something right now. Some of you are struggling. You wish you knew what to do. Should I go right or left? Should I go forward or should I just stay right here for a while? What should I do? 
The one who knows everything will speak to you if you will talk with him in prayer. Praying Christians enjoy supernatural knowledge. Number two, praying Christians enjoy supernatural confidence. Look at verse 13. The king of Aram is furious with the prophet Elisha, and he sends a whole army to arrest one preacher. I love that. Look at verse 13. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he's down in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Notice that he, he, they came in mass. You're talking about horses, talking about chariots. You're talking about a great army for one preacher, all right? They came in stealth. They came by night to surprise him. They came with a strategy. Let's surround the city. Let's surround Dothan. And they came in order to capture Elisha and bring him back to the king of Aram. Then we see the difference of somebody that walks in fear and somebody walks in faith. Listen to me now. Don't be distracted. Verse 15. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? The servant of Elisha just goes out early in the morning, and when he comes out, he is shocked at what he sees. Everywhere he sees, all, all he can see, all around this little, little bitty town of Dothan is this huge Aramean army. They're, they're totally cut off. He starts walking back, and guess who's walking his way? Elisha. And he said, last master, what in the world are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's afraid. Why? Because he hadn't been praying. He hadn't been walking with God. He just looks at the, 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 the stuff he sees with his own eyes. But how many of you know there's some other things you can't see with physical eyes, but you can see with spiritual eyes if you'll pray? And the Bible says the praying man spoke totally different. He answered, verse 16, don't fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He enjoyed supernatural confidence. He knew that there were more angels than there were Arameans. This is one of the greatest sentences in the whole Bible. I'll read it again. Don't fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Oh, that's supernatural Confidence. One of the greatest men of God in all the Bible is a man named Job. Job, great man of God. God bragged on him, even to the devil. He said, hey, see my man Job down there? Nobody like him. He walks with me. But the devil got God. He said, look, he, he's only serving you because you give him all this stuff. Take all that stuff away, and he won't serve you. God said, you can try him, you can test him, but don't kill him. And so he went through all these troubles, Job did. He lost his crops, lost his cattle, lost 10 children. Can you fathom that? All of your children dying at one time because of a tornado, and then he lost his health. But Job would not lose his faith. The Bible says, he said in Job 13, 15, though he, though God slay me, though he kills me, I will still hope in him. And then he said, as he was starting to come out of his problems, Job 23, 10, he said, but he knows the way I take. When he has put me to the test, when he has tried me in the fire, I will come out as gold. Job was confident 
that even though he had all kinds of problems, God was still in charge of his life. I want to say this to you. When you get tested in this world, do you still believe God is on your side? Do you still believe God is holding you in his hand? Do you still believe God is in control? Or do you just panic and give up like that little servant? Or are you like Elisha? Those who are around me, the angels of God are more than the people that are coming after me. Do you have any confidence like that? I was listening to a, a song by a guy that I cut my teeth on 45 years ago, his music, Andre Crouch, one of the greatest songwriters ever. And he wrote a song that included a verse about Job. And I listened to it just this week. Job was sick so long till, he, till his flesh fell from his bones, his wife, cattle, and children. Everything he had was gone. But Job, in his despair, he knew that God still cared. Sleepless days, sleepless nights. Job said, that's all right, because I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know God is going to fix it for me. I've got confidence. Do you have confidence today? There are a lot of Christians so worried about everything. They're, they don't have any confidence, or they've got their confidence in the government, or they've got their confidence in their money, or they've got confidence in some person, or they've got confidence in some news channel, or they've got confidence in some other thing. I want to tell you something. Don't put your confidence in anybody or anything except the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you put your confidence. That's where you put your confidence. Right there. And he will never let you down. Praying Christians enjoy supernatural confidence. The Bible says so. Proverbs 3, 26. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I love Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are as bold, as confident as a lion. You go up to a lion and say, do you have a confidence problem? And he'll show you that he does not. Amen? Don't mess with a lion. And God says, you can be as confident, as bold as a lion. No wonder the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 35, therefore, don't throw away your confidence. It is a great reward. Oh, I'm telling you, if you will pray, God will give you a supernatural confidence that nobody else will experience but praying Christians. Number three, praying Christians enjoy supernatural vision. We're going to see some things that nobody else sees if we'll just pray and talk with God. Look at verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Notice the brevity of his prayer. Only 11 words. We think we've got to pray these long prayers. Nothing wrong with praying, praying long prayers. But sometimes if you're in a fix, you need to pray a short prayer. Amen. Just pray a little brief prayer, but it's not the brevity of it. It's the power of it. Notice the reverence of it. He says, Oh Lord, I want to say this to you. When's the last time you started your prayer off with, Oh Lord, that Oh means you realize you're in the presence of a holy God. And there's reverence in that little Oh, we have lost the Oh, we are not impressed. We are not humbled before our great God as we ought to be. But if you'll start putting O back in your prayers, God will do something when we pray reverent prayers, bold prayers too. Oh Lord, I pray. I'm coming after it, God. I'm going to really pour out my heart. And notice the specificity of his prayer. That means it's specific. Open his eyes. I want you to open his eyes. That's exactly what I want. And notice why he's praying that, the intercession of his prayer. 
Open his eyes that he may see. Lord, this is a beautiful prayer. And then look at the beautiful response and answer. Verse 17, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. He did exactly, exactly what Elisha prayed. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God answered Elisha's prayer to give him sight. But God gave the servant more than sight. He gave him a vision. He saw all these angels as well. He saw these horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now look, they didn't just show up. They were already there. They were already there. Elisha knew, hey, they're already here. He said, just show this guy what's really here and who the big deal is. It's not this little bitty army of Arameans out there. They're no big deal at all. Show them your army, God. Show this guy your army. And when he saw God's army, he knew he didn't have anything to worry about. Supernatural vision. We sing a song. In fact, Steve Wiggins and them will lead us in it every once in a while that's based on this text. It says, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Lord, it may look like I'm surrounded, but the truth is I'm surrounded by you. How many of you ever sung that song? Anybody out there? Look at me. You have, whether you know it or not. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Lord, it may look like the enemy's got the best of me, but I thank you that greater is Jesus who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm telling you, there's more power with God than there is with the devil. There's more power with God than there is with any group in this world. You don't need to ever feel like you're outnumbered. You, if you will pray, you'll have a supernatural vision. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 18, open my eyes, my spiritual eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Lord, if I'm lost, open my eyes. Let me see that I need to be saved. If I'm saved, let me see what you want me to do. Instruct me and teach me the way that I should go. Guide me with your eye upon me. Lord, if I'm discouraged, give me some encouragement. God, let me see people with the eyes of Jesus. Lord, don't let me just look at my stuff and my family. Let me see the needs of other people. Let me see how I can minister to other people. Let me get my mind off of me, God. Let me have a vision like you want me to have a vision, God. And let me start seeing things that you will show me in the spirit realm. Oh, I want that supernatural vision. How can I get it? You need to be a praying Christian. Number four, a praying Christian enjoys supernatural protection. <coughs> Look at verse 18. The Aramean saw Elisha, the armies did, and they came after him. When they came down, that is the army of Aramean, they saw, there's the preacher, let's go get him. Well, they didn't want this preacher. They're gonna find out. Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, strike this people with blindness, I pray. And because of his prayer, God moved. Look at the next sentence. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. I wrote a little book called Pray Like It Matters because look at me, there are some things God's gonna do whether you pray or not. Okay? but there are some things God will only do if you pray. I do not believe God would have struck those people with blindness if the, prayer, if the guy had not prayed the prayer. God listens to our prayers, and he protected him. And the Bible says in verse 19, after they were struck with blindness, Elisha said to them, this is not the way. He's talking to the army now. Nor is this the city 
follow me. I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought him to Samaria. Elisha did not lie because from God's vantage point, the Arameans were headed in the wrong direction and they were seeking the wrong man. Elisha let their blind, led their blind army 12 miles north. Can you imagine everybody in the army blind as a bat and you got one preacher walking 12 miles up to Samaria, that's the capital of Israel at that time, from the town of Dothan. And once they arrived, he prayed a third time. Look in verse 20. When they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. They had supernatural protection. In November of 2017, my wife and I had flown to San Antonio. I was going to a meeting down there. And uh, when I went to that meeting, I flew in. We rented a car at Enterprise. And both of us suddenly, and I don't, I, don't, I, I, gotta, I want to just say this to you. It's not like this happens every day, but I'm telling you, both of us, sense that we needed to pray for our daughter, Lindsay, in Georgia. You say, how do you feel that? I, God just brought her to my mind. There was a check in my heart. I said, let's pray for Lindsay. Don said, let's do it. We prayed for her. We prayed God's protection over her. I said, Bay. and so we were sitting, we had just rented the car. We had not left Enterprise parking lot. So I put it in gear. I said, call her and see what's going on, if there's anything. I didn't know. And here's the deal. Maybe I got it wrong, but guess what? It's okay to pray for somebody even if you got it wrong, amen? But what if I got it right and I didn't pray? There's the deal. So Donna calls, Lindsay is hysterical. She said, mom, you won't believe what just happened. Donna said, what? Lindsay said, I was taking the kids. We were going to church. All of them were in our little minivan and we were crossing over a busy, busy highway, and there's a hill right up on my right, and I was trying to get over in that lane, and a lot of times you can't see a car if it's coming over fast, and as soon as I pulled out, that car came over. It was going, it was going to T-bone us, and I don't even know how. I'm telling you, Dad and Mom, I don't even know how. There's no way that car should have missed me. I went to the left, and there should have been a car there. There was no car there. I went across. I went into the oncoming traffic, and guess what? I got in the wrong lane, oncoming traffic. There was no oncoming, incoming traffic, oncoming traffic. I don't know how it all happened. All I know is I thought I was about to die, and God spared me. Now, you can say, I don't believe that. Call her. I'm not going to give you her number, but you call her anyway, all right? I don't want to give some, a thousand people her number, all right? But I'm telling you, I called her yesterday and said, tell me again how it happened. And that's exactly what she told me and Donna. Now, I don't understand why sometimes we're protected and sometimes we're not. Here's the way I look at it. We're always protected when God is holding us in his hand and we're seeking to obey him. We're not letting unconfessed sin be in our lives but we're trying to walk holy. All of us are sinners. I'm not saying that we don't sin, but I'm saying when we're really getting after God, I believe God is holding you in his hand. Now, sometimes God will allow things into your life that are negative, just like he did with Job. 
just like he did when those people down in that shooting down in Texas back at that same time. That's where we were going, by the way, to that church where that shooting took place. And so I don't understand why that happened. All I know is God is a sovereign God. God has a, a sovereign plan. And sometimes he will let the enemy, like he did in the life of Job, do things so that he can test us, but also so that he can give glory. God looks at death totally differently than you and I. The Bible says that it is precious in the sight of the Lord when one of his saints goes to be at home. So we look at it totally differently. All I can tell you is this. I believe with all of my heart that you and I, if we're walking with God, we're in the sovereign hand of God and nothing can get in the, through the hands of God unless God allows it for his sovereign purpose. And you know what? Whether it's good or bad, it's all good because it's God. Amen? Now, if you don't, if you don't understand what I just said, I don't have time to talk anymore about that. But I just want you to know that God gives protection toward people who will pray. There's a verse that I pray every day for my family. I pray it for you. I pray for this church. Psalm 91, 10 through 11, no evil will happen to you, nor will any plague come near your tent or your dwelling, for he will give his angels orders or charge concerning you to protect you in all your ways. God will hold you in his sovereign hands. Nothing can happen to you outside the will of God if you're walking with him. Praying Christians enjoy supernatural protection. Well, we enjoy supernatural knowledge, confidence, vision, protection, but there's one more thing, and I'm not letting you out until I give it here you go. Some of you are not going to like this one. Praying Christians enjoy supernatural kindness. You say, why wouldn't I like that? I'm talking about being kind to your enemies. Oh, and no, I, don't, I don't believe in that. Well, <laughs> you should. Look at verse 21. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, when he saw his enemy, these are the people he wanted to kill. He said, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? The king asked if he could kill the Arameans. Elisha said, no. Look at verse 22. He answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those who have taken captive? You have taken captive with your sword and with your bow. That is, when you're in a war and you capture prisoners, do you kill them? No. Rather set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. You got to think, think, think with me. Through Elisha, God has protected the armies of Israel and the nation of Israel. Through Elisha, God has protected Elisha and his servant. And now, through Elisha, God is protecting the enemies of Israel as well. He's a man of God who sees not just his nation, but the whole nations. So he prepared a great feast for them. When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. They went to their master, and the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. I can just see sometimes, I'm not going back there. That's, that's, the, that's the strangest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I'm going home. I'm not going to mess with the people of God anymore. Kindness. I want to ask you, are you kind to people? The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, do you not, do, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? Talking about God's kindness and restraint and patience. Knowing, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Do you, do you know why you're saved right now? Because God was kind to you. Kind, he was kind to you. 
And if God has been kind to you, don't you think you're supposed to be kind to other people? Well, you look, look what they did to me. I'm not saying what they did was right. But you've got to give them to God. And you've got to love them in spite of what they did. You don't love what they did. but You say, I can't do it. No, you can't. But God can do it through you. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Here it is. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are nine of them, which means one is right in the middle. Guess what it is? Kindness. It's the heart of the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you're going to be a Spirit-filled Christian, you've got to walk in kindness. You can't always get back at people and walk with God. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what you did to God when you sinned and he forgave you for all your sin. And I'm telling you, if he can forgive you for your sin, you can forgive other people for what they've done against you. Amen. It is time for Christians to be the kindest people on this planet. I've just about gotten off of social media because there's so many mean Christians on there. They're as mean as a snake, a lot of them, and they constantly are tearing up their testimonies for the Lord Jesus Christ because they're so mean and ugly to people. I'm telling you, we're never more like Jesus than when we are kind to people. Amen. Would you just ask God? Would you just start praying and saying, God, I want to I be in your presence so much that the kindness of your spirit just flows through me no matter what. Well, I've got more to say, but I don't have time to say it. One of my favorite authors is Mark Batterson, preaches at a large church in Washington, D.C. A friend of mine gave me two quotes from him. I've read some of his books. I love this guy. He loves the Lord. Anything you can pick up by Mark Batterson, pick it up. Listen to these two quotes about prayer, and I'm through. First quote, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Is that not a good quote? Prayer's the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. The other quote is longer, but listen to it. It is so rich. I'm confident, he says, that you are only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled, a promise kept, or a miracle performed. It's absolutely imperative at the outset that you come to terms with the simple yet life-changing truth. God is for you. If you don't believe that, then you'll pray small, timid prayers the rest of your life. If you do believe that, then you'll pray big, audacious prayers. One way or another, your small, timid prayers or your big, audacious prayers will change the trajectory of your life and turn you into two totally different people. Prayers are nothing but prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. I want to say that again. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, don't, don't miss this sentence. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. I want to say this to you. The life that you're living right now is the result of the pray, prayers you have prayed this, this far. 
So I don't know if I like that or not. Well, don't blame God. Don't blame somebody else. Just go look in the mirror. It's time to get with it, friend. There's more to the Christian life than any of us know. There's a supernatural power. We can't make God do anything, but I'm telling you, God will do more with praying Christians than he does with Christians that don't pray. And I don't know about you. As for me and my house, we're going to pray and we're going to try to walk in the supernatural power of God. And it only comes to people who pray and fast and walk with God in intercession. May God help you Carve out time to spend time with God in prayer. If you don't know how to pray, get some books on prayer. Be around somebody that knows how to pray. Learn how to pray. Whatever you have to do, you learn how to talk with God. Get alone with God, and God will bless you supernaturally. Amen?